Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. This programme has been brought to you by The Happy Confident Company. Our clinically approved, ready-to-go wellbeing and mental health programme will help your pupils thrive. In only 10 minutes a day, you'll be able to deliver social and emotional learning and well-being tools throughout your school. To find out more, visit us at www.happyconfident.com. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. Good evening, edu folk, and welcome to what promises to be a very big education tonight. I think there's a, an awful lot going on in the world of education at the moment. I mean, it's 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 never dull. That is that is for certain. So while we are waiting for everybody to join us this evening, including our host Brent, and I think Adam is joining him this evening, I'm not quite sure, I will check in a moment, I just want to remind you of our delightful sponsors at the moment. So we've got Happy Confident Company, and for 10 minutes a day, if you want to look after the well-being of your class and of yourself as a teacher, then you need to go to happyconfident.com and enjoy all the resources they have to offer there. We've also got Pearson Edexcel's new student-centered French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs coming into play next year, which will be very exciting. And that is rooted in learned language knowledge and their assessments are transparent and accessible. And it's going to allow all students to showcase their language skills. Very important through inclusive and relatable content. And if you want to know more about that, you can go to go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24. And we are just currently still waiting for our host to join us, but I can see the lovely Tom HB is in with us as well. Uh, so, Tom, glad to have you with us. I hope uh, all is well your side. Well, who else have we got? We've got Alex in as well. Good, good evening, Tom. How are you? Good evening, Lucy. I am okay, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, sir. Good, sir. Are you creeping slowly towards the end of the end of term? 12 more days, 12 more days, 25th of July, and amazingly, this is amazing for those of you who know me um, and where I work, I'm back on the 4th of September. Okay, so that's not bad, so you've got... got... In the past, I've been back on the 31st of August, on the 1st of September, and some weird stuff like that, Um, to actually go back on a few days into September, and actually only have the kids back from the 6th of September, um... I'm really looking forward to actually having a proper summer break. Oh, fantastic. Although I know that yours is at least two weeks um, in the running. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been off for, for, for a little bit and uh, I'm back, I think, around the same time as you. But I've got to go in a little bit early because we have insets and we've got to we've got a new head teacher to welcome and all sorts going on. So uh, we'll be, uh, yeah, I'm not going to wish the time away, put it that way. <laughs> Busy times. Anyway, uh, we are waiting for Brent, aren't we? We are. Um, 
But yeah, this is education tonight for those of you who are joining us for the first time. Um, I had a very well, warm welcome, if that is you. We've had quite a busy um, couple of days in terms of the news, haven't we? Um, yeah. So yesterday, the NASUWT, which is the second largest education union in the United Kingdom, um, in England in this case, announced um, that it had met passed the threshold for strike action. 52% um, of teachers voted in their pay ballots, which meant that Nasworth would be taken strike action. However, when you dug into it a little bit more carefully, you'll have noticed that Nasworth had a um, disaggregated ballot, which meant that they weren't voting as a country, but actually voting as individual schools. So yesterday, the big news was that some schools, um, some Nasworth uh, members in schools would be going on strike, but not others if it didn't meet the threshold. All of that news about Nasworth was completely blown out of the water and burst into irrelevance today. Uh, because of the huge, huge news that it seems as if we're going to have an end to the strikes. And in fact, um, all four education unions have suspended pay ballots and suspended any um, suspended any talks of um, further industrial action because they're going to be putting the government's latest offer um, to their members. The NEU has a meeting on Monday um, on Zoom at 5pm and... Kevin and Mary, Kevin Courtney and Mary Bowsted will be putting to their members the reason why they are recommending that they accept the government's pay offer. Now, what is the pay offer, I hear you ask? And if you've been living under a rock um, for the last four four or five hours, you won't know what the pay offer is. Um, The government has promised that it will fulfil and accept the recommendations of the STRB, uh, which recommends teacher pay. And they are recommending 6.5% increase for teachers, which is in line um, with other public sector increases. The big question, however, is where on earth the money is going to be coming from? And it's a big question because it looks as if this pay offer, which all four education unions are going to be recommending, um, is a half-funded offer. 3%. 6.5% will be coming from the Department for Education. There has been, um, uh, uh, they've underspent um, in some areas, and rather than the money going back to the Treasury, the money is going to be going um, towards teachers. So that's where 3% of it is coming from, from existing spending within the Department for Education. However, those of you who are good at maths will know that 6.5 minus 3 is 3.5. And this 3.5%, um, the government and the unions are expecting head teachers and school business managers in schools to um, find this money from existing budgets. Now, the problem is this will come from money which has already been given to schools. However, many head teachers will be able to tell you that this money has already been spent on paying rising energy bills and meeting the cost of living crisis, which is affecting schools as institutions as much as families. So there's this big question about this 3.5%. The unions are saying that schools have already budgeted for this 3.5% and therefore all they need is the extra new money, the extra 3% which is coming from the DfE. Um, however, we at Teachers Talk Radio have spoken to 
head teachers who have said that they had not budgeted for 3.5%. They had budgeted for 3%, they budgeted for um, a fully funded pay offer, because that is what the NEU in particular was telling its members um, it was going to fight for, a fully funded pay offer. And so he- some head teachers are not prepared and not simply not ready um, to find this 3.5% from, e- um, from extra budgets. Um, so that's been a bit of a hoo-ha today. Um, an extra thing, of course, is that Mary Bowsted, who is Joint General Secretary of the NEU, has admitted that not all schools um, will be able to afford this pay rise, um, which the NEU is recommending to its members that it will accept. And um, therefore, there's going to be a hardship fund for those schools um, which um, can't afford that. Um, we've also been told by a senior union source um, that this hardship fund may increase in value over time, but we don't have any figures as to by what amount. Um, anyway, we're going to wait for Brent to call in um, while I've been holding the fort. Brent is always turning up fashionably late, um, or um, clearly he needs to set his watch back 10 minutes or so so that he's on time to education tonight. Um, it's like those students, isn't it, who sort of roll, who stroll in without care in the world, go, sorry, I'm late, sir. And you're like, well, where were you? He's like, oh, I was in, in inclusion or I was at um, the pupil support centre or I was at the toilet. And they don't really understand why they're late um, and they don't really care. But anyway, Brent is going to do the whole show because he does care about being on time and he does care about hosting. And therefore, Brent's going to tell us all why you should accept this 6.5 cent offer as um, a resident NEU man at Teachers Talk Radio. Brent it's all yours once he's worked out how to unmute himself I should add oh now I've worked out I've unmuted myself there we are sorry I'm late sir I have been in the waiting room for a, for a minute but my daughter was a little bit difficult putting her to sleep tonight so that's my reason I think I'm going to have to push back education tonight but now I have 10 or 15 minutes in, in schedule with my daughter's sleep patterns but there we go all is forgiven. <laughs> you can always use your children as an excuse. I've never had that one before. Gee, sir, I'm late. Why is that? My daughter didn't want to go to sleep. Yeah, really, really, um, really interesting day today. Um, I think there's a little bit of um, a little bit of out of sync now with with the union. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion. I kind of got sort of advanced wind of this a, a couple of days ago with some of the online forums. Um, the NEU and, and union forums were starting to discuss uh, the 6.5 and, and obviously some people were, were aware that the, there was some like back channel negotiations. It felt a little bit like the Cold War. You know, somebody got on the, the, on, on the hotline and, and obviously we, we, we then sort of knew that there was something going on and, and certainly the 6.5 kept getting uh, banded out within circles. And of course, the key, the key sort of red line for many of us is the the funding it has to be fully funded and that kept kept coming across from many members uh some of course and i'm a union rep some were, were saying well the idea of a rep is a rep is to represent the views of you know the, the wider membership and that's important to note that you know you're talking a huge a huge union one of the largest unions in the country with half a million members and of course you are a broad church then with a massive diversity of opinion um, Are we really at 7.40pm getting into Burkean notions of representative democracy here, Brent? Well, uh, here's a question then. Are any of you reps, are they really representatives or are they um, delegates? I think, no, I think they're, they're a combination of both. I've never gone to, 
I've got enough to do without going to, to conference. I've never gone to an NEU conference. I'd love to. But again, if I turn around to my, to my wife and said, uh, long-suffering as, as she is with all the different things that I do, never mind be a teacher on top of all the, the political stuff that I do and local campaigning and different issues, I just wouldn't have the time to. So no, um, union reps come and I've been to so many different sort of union rep meetings and, and met such a diversity of individuals. Some people fall into it because they are the only person in the school that seems to sort of do anything. Uh, some people obviously feel politically that they want to be a union rep and others just, it's a voluntary position. You do it because uh, you care. You do it because you, you want to improve the conditions in the school that you work in. Um, and I and, and there is no sort of like sort of... Um, how do I call it? There is no sort of DNA to a union rep. You know, they come in all in all sort of forms. But what was definitely clear from all the union reps I was speaking to was, you know, we are in a crisis situation. Schools need funding, and and certainly everything, anything that has to be done has to be fully funded. This afternoon, um, there was palpable anger from some quarters, um, and I'm not misquoting some individuals, but there is there is definitely sort of a disappointment i'd say from from some individuals there was a lot of people searching around going what does this mean that was the most frequently asked question this afternoon i had during my sports day as i crambled for a signal today um to try and find out what was going on while throwing a javelin so uh while finding out what was going on in the middle of sports day i was trying to get tidbits of information and one of the things i did notice was some contradictions the government was was saying one thing uh, the media was reporting slightly different and then the union was saying some there was a lot of rumors conjecture uh, and some individuals rightly are saying well let's see what the details are let's let's make a judgment when we know all the facts at the moment but what is quite interesting to note is that there is a joint statement and the joint statement contains both mary kevin and also daniel cabody um and that is the and the other unions, and the other unions. So I'm and just, the yeah. government, and Gillian Keegan, and Rishi Sunak, which is very, very interesting. And I think um, one of uh, one of my colleagues, obviously an historian, did look at that and think, is this um, is this a, a Munich piece of paper? <laughs> so those of us who are historians would know exactly what that means. Is this we will have peace is in our time? Munich? Is it Yalta? Is it Magna Carta? What is it? I don't know. Oh, it's definitely not Magna Carta. Let's be honest about that. <laughs> Magna Carta would be something uh, earth shaking that would be there as a legacy for the next eight hundred years. I don't know if this thing's going to. I think you. Owe, I think you wildly overestimate the significance of Magna Carta, Everett. But um, that's a discussion. For <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Magna Carta is one of the greatest achievements of this island but then again that's that's coming from somebody who believes in democracy no the, the point being is is that there was a definite feeling um that this is not acceptable now i'm i'm only judging what from the individuals i've come across and uh, forums that i'm involved in which i have to be careful that's not an echo chamber so I'd be interested and this is what the function of tonight is i'd be interested to see what some of our callers think um, what some people within the profession think. Because my read, my honest read, this is not Teachers Talk Radio, this is my own personal opinion, um, and this is my opinion on it. I, I think we were never as more powerful as we are about to become. I think just at the moment when the teaching profession was about to unite, you know, all the different factions, the two two largest unions, plus the head teachers union, just at that moment, the day after, NAS votes to go on strike, join the rest of the NEU, plus... And it seems that, you know, I think the head teachers union were indicating that they were going that way as well. 
just at the moment when we're most united and most powerful, the day afterwards this announcement comes. And the cynic and the political beast in me cannot help but think that the timing of that is quite crucial if you wanted to divide the, the profession. Because one of the weaknesses of the teaching profession is, you know, we hadn't got everybody out. We didn't get the whole profession to shut every single school down. The strikes were effective to a point, but it didn't cause, especially the primary sector. And some of my NEU colleagues, this might influence their decisions to, to finish with striking and vote yes to this pay deal. You know, we are asked to be out eight days is a big ask for people. And there was within that a settling in of, it's a big sacrifice to ask one union to take that hit. So as much as I am not satisfied with that personally, you have to put that in the context of, is that the best that they could do? Is, is much I frame that as a game of Munich of what are you meant to do when you're up against a government who is going to say no regardless? Is this the best that could be done with the hand they're dealt with? I, I think don't know. there are two key questions, Brent. First of all, um, Patrick Roach, do you think he's going to be breathing a sigh of relief after the um, Nasworth screw up ballot yesterday of a disaggregated ballot, which means that some members would be allowed to strike and some wouldn't be allowed to strike? Do you feel as if he's going to be off the hook? And secondly, given that Kevin and Mary are going to be um, asking NEU members to accept this, do you see any way in which the NEU, which is of course a member-led union, as all unions are, do you see any way in which the NEU would actually reject this, given that obviously the proportion of NEU members on social media is actually very low? Yeah, I mean, that, 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 is, the, that is the cautionary tale to my read. I may be in that echo chamber, and remember I may be one of the more committed members um, because I don't ideologically speaking I think we could push for more I think we had a once in a generational opportunity this government is not strong this government is far from strong this government is vulnerable and if you are a union and you are collectively your power derives from the collective action I've never known the union to have in a generation since I joined the union such actual power that hasn't followed through so do I think there's a little bit of collective bottling it at the top. I can't, I'm not, I'm not, I have the utmost respect before I, I criticize any Kevin and Mary or the guys on those round table. I don't know what they were negotiating, what they're up against. What I can say is I have nothing but the utmost respect for how the unions led us through COVID. So I am draw, torn between my loyalty towards my, the union leadership, who I think are, you know, have done a fantastic job thus far, have carried us thus far. But do I think they could have been a bit more aggressive? Do I think they could have been more mid Lynch? Do I think they could have been a bit more? Hold on, um, you know, let's push now. You, you, do I think brinkmanship comes into it? Honestly speaking, if I were me and I was in charge, I'd be saying to my members, I'm sorry, guys. 11 months ago, Kevin made a video and that video said that we wouldn't accept uh, a 5% pay rise, uh, pay, pay, a 5% pay increase from the independent review body, which he then said was effectively a 6% pay cut and that would be one of the worst pay cuts in living memory. This 6.5% is still also a pay cut with inflation hovering around 9 to 10%. So effectively, this is not a pay rise. I get absolutely infuriated. Now, going back to the members, we're not, members are well-informed. The, the thing about motivating people towards strike action is you're, you're waking up the beast, aren't you? You're, you're making people aware. You're getting people invested. You're getting people involved. Hence why people carried through with the strike. Because once you started down that course of action, haven't you? You've made a commitment. 
And some of my colleagues said that to me, that they were determined once they'd started striking to see it through to the end because this is the course of action that they decided on. And the hardest part was the initial sort of first strike. And the numbers of people in my, in my school who actually were going on strike was increasing. The number of people in my union was increasing. People came over to my union specifically with the purpose of striking because they were tired of the lies, the gaslighting, the lack of budget. It wasn't just the paying conditions. It's all the other things of which we always are talking about on this fantastic radio station, Teacher Talk Radio. So honestly speaking, I think there is going to be a fight back within members, ground swell of members who are going to look at this the cold light of day and say, this cannot come out of budgets. This can't come out of budgets. There was something else today I didn't really, and, and I actually, after something I thought to myself was almost um, insulting towards, I think, more leftward leaning, say, union members and us as, as a teaching profession. The fact that Rishi Sunak was trying to score some political points by saying he would fund this. And this is this is this has really got my goat up this one. They would fund this by increasing visa charges for migrants. Well, you made you made a, it was a mistake, wasn't it? That that isn't actually true. And that was funding some of the other um, pay rises. And um, I th- you know, it was interesting, of course, that Rishi Sunak spoke on that. But it's also interesting about the thinking of other public sector um, pay rises being funded from that as well. The the thing is, does it did he bespoke it, or was that almost a kind of play into the gallery of trying to be this this version of Thatcher? You know, I don't judge our government to be strong in any way, shape, or form. I don't think they are. I, I, from every everything I've seen of them, I think they're putting the hammer down ideologically speaking on the public sector, and I think that's what's that's what's really hurting people is that we've had this during austerity. You know, those of us who have stuck around in the profession long enough have known, ex- we've seen this pattern before. We're all in it together, George Orsborne told us. Let's do one for the team, they told us. We were told the same thing during COVID. I am, you know, we're sick and tired. And, and, and a lot of the longer timers like myself who have been in this, invested so much of our life into the teaching profession, you know, what we're fighting for is, I'm fighting for the future of the profession. I'm fighting for the future of the children. And, and to have any of our pay rise taken out of budgets, it's got it's a red line, and that's where I think there is a definite, you know, um, a, a, you know, where the membership and the leadership are going to be very much at odds with each other. Because no disrespect to the leadership, they ain't sitting in the front line on the coalface dealing with the day to day issues that we deal with. And I think again, I think that's going to not go down very well with many within the within the union. If that line is crossed, of it has to be one hundred percent fully funded. That's what we were always told. That was a red line. If that is not the case, then that for me and for many in the union, and I will see what the voting rates comes out like. And that's the case. I'll be saying to people, I'd be, I'd be asking people, I'd be asking my members to reject this. If it turns out, even even a penny of this comes out of school budgets. We don't need but, anything coming out of school budgets. In fact, we need money going into school budgets. More yeah. than half of it's coming out of school budgets. Well, that, that's that's a deal breaker. And it always was a deal breaker. And I don't know how, I really don't, I'd be interested from next Monday, how, how Kevin and Mary, how they're going to, how they're going to get around that. I really, I'm interested to know how they're going to get around that because they're, they're about to do something. And I mentioned Munich for this. They're about to do something in trusting this government I think they're holding a piece of paper outside, you know, the airport saying peace in our time. I really do think if they think they're going to trust, I do not 
trust that piece of paper that that deal is written on because the, what we've seen so many times before is they take with give with one hand, take with the other. And and when you read, there is no new money. So where where's the money coming from? That's the key thing. You follow the money, don't you? Where is the money for the teacher's pay rise coming from? And that's when you start looking into, is that redundancies? Um, where's the support staff in this? We're hemorrhaging support staff. We're hemorrhaging TAs. So there's no mention of anything to do with support staff at all. And I think that's a massive mistake again. Um, I have increased the number of support staff in my union uh, exponentially year on year, um, mainly because support staff now are, are dealing with you know children, with parents who are more likely to complain. And I've had more support staff come to me and say, look, I need to be in the union for my own protection. And I've mm-hmm. never had so many join my union. But also when I look at their pay, their pay is chronic. I had, I had a colleague of mine said recently that they're an experienced teaching assistant of nearly 20 odd years and their, their, their own son earns more on a part-time shelf-stacking job than they do. That is an yeah. absolute disgrace. And, and there's no mention whatsoever of support staff. So I think that's a massive mistake because the union is not just a teaching union. It is an education union. And it is, educa- it is those of, across the whole of education that we're fighting for that pay deal. And I've told a lot of my support staff that as a, more, I'm gonna say wealthier, but as a slight, you know, better off individual who's earning more money than my te- my, my support staff, their wages and their cost of living crisis is it's 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 unbelievable when you see how low the support staff wages are. And some of those teaching assistants, you know, many of them have degrees. You know, many of the teachers I've come across in my career, I, I, there's there's many I've actually said, you you know, you should be a teacher. Why aren't you a teacher? And they 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 want to be in the role of a teaching assistant. But it is so undervalued. And for no mention of that today, I think it's a massive, massive mistake because they have also been, you know, balloted as well. They are also involved. The other thing I think is a reason why this is not going to go down well is Scotland and, of course, Wales. When you compare the, the pay deals in Scotland and Wales to, to the pay deal in England, it, 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 it levies a lot of questions of why, what's uniquely different about Scotland and Wales? Why are teachers in England not given the same, uh, the sa- the same respect and and that's really where I'm at with this. I don't think, I don't think the government are again showing me and my profession the respect that it deserves. And I I extend that to my colleagues in other unions. And I suppose one of the one of the ironic twists in this is that the um, the police union, of course, which can't go on strike, is getting seven percent, whereas teachers who have been on strike get six point five percent. And I never would like to play a sector off sector because I think police. Any public sector worker, my wife works in the NHS, we all know we've all been through you know, pay stagnation for the last 13 years. It, it, depending on who you are, to a certain degree, it all depends how much you've suffered. So it's a degrees of suffering, really, isn't it, when you look at anybody who's been in the public sector for, for the last generation. Um, and certainly that's what today is about, is like, look, we've, we're giving the public sector a pay rise. I think that's a headline. So it'd be interesting to see what the other unions and what also the other sections of the public sector are going to do with that. My instinct tells me that the doctors aren't going to accept it. I think they are more united. I've never known doctors going to strike. BMA has rejected it, hasn't it? Yeah. And there is a day, again, so the BMA have rejected that, whereas the teaching unions are in a a conciliatory, acceptant mode, um, which... Again, that is the key question I'd like to ask is why have they agreed to this? Um, why why have they lowered their initial demand, which was the initial demand was for inflation. So that should be about 10%. The other 
key question I was asked by some of my colleagues today, and this is something they're going to have to address, is this is for next year. So what about, retrospectively speaking, the year gone by when inflation was at 12% and we were getting 4.5%? And of course, some of my colleagues have come to me recently saying, you know, my mortgage is, is going up. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a tax on our living standards. And then, and this is the kicker, when you start looking at school budgets, we know school budgets are so, so tight. A lot of trusts are in debt. What does that mean when you start to, to say, you've got a, where does the money come out of in a sector which has been cut to the bone? And I saw that the other day from the Chancellor saying there is no money, there is no extra money for the public sector. It's, they're just going to have to make savings. I thought, what savings? Where do you think there is savings? Where do you think there is money within the education sector? Where can you? Where do you think you can make some efficiency savings? Because I don't see where there is, especially when you see what, how close to the bone we've been running for now on 12, 13 years. And then when you add in many schools, I asked, um, I asked one of my colleagues today who's a safeguarding officer who does a lot of the outreach, what programme are we doing over the summer for, for the children on the free school meals? And it was a sort of, well, we're going to have to go with the county council. We're going to work with the county council. We've identified the children because that's the thing now. We became aware of the, the precarious family situations of many of our children during COVID. And when I were aware of them, what do we do? You know, we know we have huge amounts of poverty. We have got huge amounts of deprivation. And schools are one of the, the few institutions that, of course, help people altruistically. And school budgets have been something where schools have altruistically helped out people in their community. And that's even more need to do that. Energy bills have gone up. Resources bills have gone up. I really do think uh, I'm almost talking myself into a, a slight depression here. I'm, I'm really, I'm bitterly disappointed. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, friends, I'm going to stop you talking there for now because it's time for me to tell you um, that Pearson Edexcel's new student centre <laughs> French Germany Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability, or reason of studying. They're rooted in learned language knowledge. Their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills through inclusive and relatable content. The new Pearson NFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. You want to find out more, so go to go.pearson.com forward slash mfl this show is also brought to you in partnership with the happy confident company and the happy confident company provides clinically approved ready-to-go well-being and mental health programs to help your pupils thrive in just 10 minutes a day you want to find out more go to www.happyconfident.com We've got quite a lot of listeners in here um, this evening, Brent. Um, we've mm. got any users, we've got um, other union members, we've got people who um, might have questions about this payoff uh, news today, we might have people who are concerned, we might have people who haven't made up their minds as to what they think of it yet. Um, we have had some comments um, from people throughout the day, um, which you can see pinned to the top of your screens. Um, if we start with... 
um, Mr. Copping. Uh, Mr. Copping said, um, on the verge of getting massive collaborative action between the unions, the leadership of the unions have failed in their duty, will still be effectively taking a pay cut and it's not even fully funded. That is a point you were making earlier, Brent. Um, yeah. Robo Deep Lover says this is all well and good, but it's only a pay rise for teachers. When you factor in the support staff pay increase, head teachers will have to find another 3.5%. Good luck with that. Again, a point you were making as well, Brent. Uh, we also have, let's have a look. We also have Mr. Barnes. Mr. Barnes says, I'm an AEU member, more than happy to accept 6.5 with funding for the extra 3%. Better than the Nauta one we'd have been offered without taking action. And much better than the 4.5 with 1K one off we were offered months ago. Uh, Mr. B replied and said, so which members of staff are you happy to lose at school? Schools don't have the 3.5% available to fund in the budget. Um, SLT, I don't know who that is, says colleagues I've spoken to from the NEU are prepared to accept. You have to realise that it was is a victory for the NEU. The original offer is 3.5%. Um, Alex Richardson, who's listening, um, has said, no, we wanted at least an inflation level pay rise and for it to be funded. This is a cut. As far as I can see, about half of it is funded and half isn't. Kevin Courtney, am I wrong? Is the whole 6.5% rise completely covered by new government money and we've got some other ones as well which we'll refer to later on today um reminder to all everybody listening live a very good evening you can take part in the discussion um you should hopefully see in the bottom right hand corner of your screens a little speech bubble with a number six next to it at the moment which is the number of people who have um tweeted along so far the number of tweets we have received you can make that six turn to a seven eight nine ten etc and um, by sharing your thoughts in the bottom right hand corner of your screen do you agree with this pay deal what do you, would you like to know more about um do you are you an NEU member who's been out on strike and feels as if um, it was all for nothing or do you feel um, relieved that the government has accepted the SDRB let us know and if you're brave then in the bottom left hand corner of your screen there is a um, request button a request to speak I know that some people in this space have spoken in previous education tonights and in previous Teachers Talk Radio Twitter spaces. Um, so be 10% braver, press that bu button in the bottom left-hand corner, come in as a speaker and tell Brent and myself what you think about the pay offer announced today. I think that's the, those comments, they're literally mirroring, aren't they? Exactly. I think that's going to be the, the, the mirror image up and down the staff room up up and down the country do we stick or do we twist you know do we do we continue on the course of action and you know i, I said to a colleague earlier on it's like we're playing the game of 21 and we're currently sitting on you know you know a 15 or a 16 do we try and twist for a 21 or do we hold on to what we have and, and that's that's how i feel it is true we have won more than we would have probably won if we hadn't done anything and i think you know what we have won is a more unionized you know union that has demonstrated its ability to stand up for itself which i am deeply proud of but my the profession question is brent yes but what but effect has obviously had? the last few months the neu has gained tens of thousands of new members um it's mm. galvanized this sort of sense of solidarity across and between schools and across and between teachers um and it's made Mem union members in the NEU actually feel a bit of hope um, that there is a better future and a better funded future. My question then is, are particularly new members and um, younger teachers who are or less experienced teachers who have only been, have been in the NEU for less than you have, let's say, um, 
are they going to look at the fact that they're getting a below inflation pay offer, half of which is going to come from existing school budgets and think, well, what's the point of all of that? And then the union is going to lose that sense of galvanisation it's built over the last few months. Because for many, yeah, it's, for many, it's, it's going yeah, to feel like a, a waste of time and it's going to make them want to step away from you, from being unionised or at least being an active member of their union because it feels as if it was all for nothing. Well, it's that pyrrhic victory, isn't it? It's 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 the obviously Kevin and Mary will say, you know, we've done a good job. We've got the government to negotiate. It's made a difference. I think the devil is in the detail. I, I, I said that the last time I spoke is that um, so much of a new 6.5% might be on the table, but my, my take was always if 6.5% was fully funded, if it was Ofsted reform, if it was um, looking at, you know, the, the situation that we have in schools with overcrowding in the buildings, if there was a definite realisation that this government was going to do like a blur in 1997 and say, look, education, sorry, you've been so chronically forgotten about. You guys have done a great job during COVID. You know what? You do a great job for society. And, and you're right. You've, you've, you've done a lot for us. Although we can't reward you at the moment with some finances, but what we can do is here, what would make your life a lot easier? Let's sit down with you and discuss these things. We haven't had any of that. And that's really where I think the union's missing its opportunity to press home its advantage. It feels like you've got the troops mobilised. It feels like you're ready to go to war and then you're told to stand down and you're going, but we haven't really done anything. So it's a, I, I just, there's a sense of disappointment that I feel we're on the brink. We're on the brink of bringing together the education profession to make a stand, to make, you know, a, a big stand, a big statement for all those niggles that we've had for a long time. And, and your, your read is correct. If, if they're not careful, that momentum and that motivation and that fight will then go into cynicism of like, well, what's the point? Because union reps like me have had to work really hard on the ground to convince people this is worthwhile striking. It is worthwhile following this through. We are making progress. Join us is worth something. So this is a better for me personally, who has put a lot of my own personal time and invested a lot of my own capital into trying to see this over the line and those conversations that you've had up and down the staff room. Even today, I was walking around with, with pieces of paper. I'd, I'd photocopied four or five news stories to try and piece together what was happening. So on the sports pitches today, you know, somebody's throwing the javelin and I'm handing them over, you know, what the, what the BBC had said. said, here, what do you think? Have a look at that. Come back, talk to me later. Because I want the best for my, my colleagues. I want the best for my profession. I want the best for the kids I teach. And I think this, what we did was magnificent in the last couple of months. I was very proud, and hope is a correct word. I think you're absolutely right, Tom. There was a definite hope that we could make a difference. We could really push home, get the message across, and fight for education. And we had to say it was paying. We had to say, you know, it was paid because that's what the union, the union laws were saying. But on, we were always conscious in the media to go. It's not just about pay. I was, I was talking to LBC at one o'clock in the morning defending my profession on, on Richard Spurs' show when he was like, oh, children are being suffered because these teachers are going on strike. And I wasn't having it one bit. He says, I'm going on strike for the kids. But you get a bit fatigued and tired when you think, oh gosh, here we go again. Why am I doing this? And I checked my pension out this, yesterday. I've done something I've never done in my 19 years. I checked my pension out because even I, who love this profession with all my, with all my heart, I'm starting to say to myself, seriously i can i keep doing this and i don't know whether this is just what what's coming whether we're we're expendable or whether this is what the government want they don't want long timers so on on the thing i i have to say is 
I think a lot of younger professionals coming into the teaching profession probably would say, take the 6.5% because maybe they aren't going to wait around or stay around for, for 10, 15 years. They don't see it as a long-term profession. Maybe this is the thing now. Maybe I'm a dying breed staying 20 years because everything always seems to indicate, let's get teachers into the profession. And the last point I'll say with that, and, and I don't know if listeners would, would, would calculate this, but I did something the other day, with, I put it up on Twitter and I calculated. When I started teaching in 2003, my starting salary was £18,000. I then put into the inflation calculator what my starting salary would be now, the equivalent, double it. It's £36,000. The government's talking about recruiting more teachers by raising the raising it to £30,000. That would still be six grand short. When I entered the teaching profession, I know some of you who are younger are going to hate me right now when they say this. I went in with £12,000 with a debt with my five years at university, four-year degree, one-year PGCE, £12,500 was my student loans. I got a free grant to go to university. If you were now to come and follow me now and do the same thing, you're talking 60 to 70 grand of debt to go into a job that's already paying you six grand less. That's the reality of why we have a recruitment. And then I calculated my pay currently on my M whatever, on my top of the teacher scale, plus my UPS, plus my TLR for being ahead of history. And I calculated what my colleague who was my mentor when I entered the teaching profession in 2003 was all, because that's where he was at. He was the head of history. He was M and UPSs. And I would be on over 72,000 pounds now. And I am nowhere near that. That would be the equivalent. I then thought about my auntie. My auntie was a teacher for 24 years, retired at the age that I am now. and was able to live on that pension after doing 24 years as a teacher. That's the reality and that's why I don't think, in good conscience, I can support this pay deal. Because for me, it's a sticking plaster over the gaping wound, which is a managed decline of our profession, a slow death by a thousand cuts. And I think we've been taken advantage of for far too long because we're intrinsically motivated towards helping children. And I think many of us who survive long enough in education know that, that we're, I'm not saying we're mugs, we're not, we're good people, but we do it because we care. And I think that good people because we care has been taken advantage of so yes I, I do feel a lot of sympathy towards the younger professionals coming into the profession because i think they're being shortchanged i think they've been shortchanged and going through university being charged the amount of money they are for their degrees for the quality of, of what they're being offered at, at that level of education and the debt that they're carrying with them and the house prices imagine being a young professional now coming out with that amount of debt those low wages and then trying to buy a house for the first time oh my word no wonder we're struggling to recruit for what is a profession which is highly qualified, highly specialised. And, and and that's the reality of it. It's all very well saying, you know, we got 6.5%, we fought for it. It's just nowhere near enough. And that's not being greedy. We should be getting 16 to 70% in restitution. And the doctor, junior doctors had a point when they actually said, let's go and talk about getting 30, 25 to 30% when they started their pay dispute, because that's pay restoration and it may sound like wow you're asking for that amount of money but that's the amount of money they should be on but when you see so that Western is recruiting them. when we spoke to yeah. Edward Hebedy a few months ago now back in March about pay restoration he said it was um, unrealistic and in fact neither he nor Neve Sweeney directly committed um, as any you as any general secretaries to recommending um something which would only something which would be above inflation in fact um, neither of them were prepared to um, 
say that they'd only accept uh, or only recommend members accept something above inflation. Um, so I think that's interesting, um, you know, how, yeah, obviously it's a negotiation and you've got to start somewhere and you've got to meet in the middle. Um, but it does feel as if any EU members are being a little bit short-changed on this. And they'll probably look at NASWOT members, they'll probably look at um, other, you know, um, non-union non-members and they'll think well you're going to get the same pay rise as us but you didn't do anything and I know it's you know that's divide and rule and things like that as well um, but it feels as if you know I'm sure that Nasworth are going to come out and say look we balloted for strike action fine <laughs> and now look the government yeah. offered 6.5% yeah. and then you any you members are going to turn around and say well yeah you had nothing to do with it really Tom Rogers said something interesting and I've got some thoughts on this um he said, is it better to accept this better offer as it is now and starting funneling all spare energy into pushing for policy changes that might reduce teacher workload and affect recruitment slash retention, e.g. Ofsted, flexible working PPA? Um, my response to this is, while the unions are in dispute with the government over pay, that's the opportunity to put those issues on the table. As soon as pay, the pay issue is taken off the table, the, all of those other issues go off the table as well. And it is a negotiation between two sides. And those are bargaining. Those are basically, in this case, hey, they are bargaining chips um, that could and should and probably, you know, and ought to have been used um, in order to actually affect to change recruitment and retention. I don't think, and Fred, feel free to disagree. I don't think that six point five percent will have any impact on recruitment and retention. Um, the NFER, um, which is your big educational research body, said that sixteen point five percent is what would have been required in order to help stem the retention crisis. So my view on Tom's question about is it better to accept the pay offer and then put all of your spare energy into um, going for the workload savers and the retention um, enhancers is those are things that need that needed to be kept on. The, those are only on the table because of a pay dispute and because of what teachers can and can't strike about. Um, we have had a comment in... Um, from a deep lover again who said school staff are being treated like the old pub landlords were get the expensive experienced ones out in favor of the young cheap ones it didn't end well i agree absolutely and it goes even further of and maybe i mean my, my political instincts take over because I, I i am i do have um you know machiavelli i did read it when i was like seven i wasn't a normal child to me and 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 if you wanted to divide and conquer the teaching profession, this is the this is what you do. This is get us to fight among ourselves, get us to sort of uh, you know tear ourselves apart. Much like you're saying, you know that you see what happens with the Game of Thrones, which is you know the opposition party. You know you, you get you get that, and and I think that's the sad that's the sad thing about today is I I just felt that we were in the cusp of being united. I was looking forward to standing. On, on the picket line and it sounds weird to say it I was looking forward to finally standing in the picket line with my head teacher I absolutely think the world of the guy he's, he's been so supportive all the way through I can't fault him one, one bit and he's been absolutely completely uh, with us all the way in, in anything I you know in, in helping because he knows I've always said to him I want your budget money back I want your budget money back we you need your budget money I was a school governor on two separate occasions and I've seen how precarious finances are in school. I know that our finances in, in our educational uh, setting 
are precarious. That's leading to non-specialists teaching GCSEs. I've been a non-specialist teaching a GCSE and, and I'm seeing the situation getting worse and worse. And I'm standing on that picket line basically for all of that. So I agree with your read more than Tom's because you have to use the opportunity to push home your advantage. And your advantage uh, interestingly, was... on that note, I visited a school earlier this week um, which... Um, is facing a real big problem with history teaching um, and a lack of history teachers next year. Their history department next year is an ECT1 and a sociology teacher who's teaching 10 hours a week of history. That's all they've got. And that's for history. History recruits really well um, for ITT. And it's normally, as you know full well, Brent, it's normally your history teachers who end up teaching geography and RE. But actually what we're noticing now is actually there is a bit the recruitment and retention crisis, which has traditionally hit physics, which has hit maths, which has hit computing, which has hit design technology, is now hitting English. Those of you who work in state secondary schools will notice that it's harder to get English teachers now than ever before because of the impact of the new GCSEs having that long-term impact on university and then um, ITT and then into teaching. And actually, we're starting to see those subjects which we've traditionally seen as being quite secure in terms of recruitment, like history, they're starting to be affected now as well. And your long-serving members of staff who intrinsically will do the school a favour. In other words, you know, I'll, my head teacher will come to me and say, look, I need a favour and go, oh, what do you need me to do? Because I care about my school. I care about it. I've invested 20 years of my life in my school. It's my community. And and I, I've done a favour this year. I taught GCSE physics, mainly because the, the class I was teaching it to had some interesting characters when it came to behaviour. And it was felt that my um, sort of slantish style of behaviour management was would be good for kind of whipping him in the shape, which makes 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 it sound like I'm the, the, the commander of the dirty dozen sending him off into the you know, and in, in to do a you know, a behind enemy lines action. But it felt like that. It was literally like this is what I I need to do. But that has a massive impact on me when I'm when I'm, you know, doing a subject outside my comfort zone. That's becoming the norm. That is becoming the norm in many, many schools. We don't have an art teacher at the moment. We can't recruit an art teacher, so we're asking an specialist at key stage four to teach art for the first time. This is not, I can't be healthy. And then you add into that, you know, somebody comes in and makes a judgment about your teaching in a subject that isn't your specialism. And, you know, I mean, I'm both a geographer and a historian. I intrinsically love both those subjects, but I chose to teach both subjects. Pushing somebody into a subject that they might not choose to do is a good way to push them out of the teaching profession as well. So that that's another thing that's not going to help retention because one of the joys, when I surveyed my staff a couple of years ago and I was doing a master's degree, I wanted to know um, my, my questions about motivation and I really loved finding out about more about intrinsic and extrinsic motivational systems, trying to come up with a, a magic way of why some people are motivated and why some staff are motivated, why some kids are motivated and others not. And, and choice is a really important thing. You know, you choose your subject, you choose to teach it because there is something about it. And then the joy of teaching your subject, you get such a joy out of and, and you can sometimes stomach some of the other things that you have to put up with because you get to deliver your subject, you get to plan and organize your curriculum. But when you don't have, you know, that knowledge of the subject or you don't have an instinct or an inkling towards it, it's just another one of those things that is harder for a person to to keep them going when they don't enjoy what they're teaching. Um, and then, of course, you add into the fact that they're, they're going to be poor, they're going to be 
have to work longer hours, of course, to plan for a subject that they just don't have the same sort of, you know, um, background in. So that's another massive issue that I think exponentially causes another problem on top of a problem because we're not seeing solutions here. If the, if the government's thinking the 6.5% solves a problem for them, I don't think it solves a problem. It creates another set of problems when it comes to budgeting, it comes to class sizes, it comes to recruitment retention. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't mm-hmm. solve anything. This actually, for me, if anything, in some schools is going to accentuate and accelerate the issues we're seeing and therefore is not a solution that I can justify and say, this is not the magic wand we mean. And it's not just about the money. You, you could put a lot of budget money in some schools, structurally speaking. It's not money they need sometimes. It's other things they might need. But money can help. It does help when you can recruit the right people. It does help when you can hold on to them because you can pay them. It does help when you're trying to recruit and retain a member of staff and you're saying, you know, some colleagues of mine are saying they're sick and tired of teaching in facilities. I mean, we did sports day on a sports pitch today that was, just to be honest with you, it was, you know, it's atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious. And and that's not running down my school. I love my school, but we, we, we are in dire need of the Olympic legacy. Any chance... And and we're due for a new build in a couple of years' time, and we're really hoping that this new build is going to be like our white horse that's going to save our our, our school. But you know, we're in a sixty build that has asbestos riddled around the place, and and it's really really sad. In the sixth wealthiest country in the world, you think this is what we are fighting for? We're fighting for education, and it goes back to that my point I want to make. So this was the opportunity for me. This was my sort of this is our Waterloo. This this was that time where we. For, for 13 years, we put up with so many things, not just the paying conditions, the, the slow managed decline of the profession, of education standards, of our children. This was the stand that I think we should have followed through and pushed home and really, really went for it. We know how angry we were after what happened with Ofsted. This was that opportunity to unite all that together because as both the story and you and I, Tom, we know that. It only works the more people involved in stopping something or are standing up to authority, the more effective it usually is, isn't it? And you made that point a couple of months ago, and I think your read of that was correct. And you said it's, the NEU could never do this alone. It would only succeed if it got the other unions joining it. I want, I'm boom. saying that indeed. I should point out um, that we do have some new listeners here. So a very good evening to all of our new listeners. Um, for those of you who wanted to along we have the bottom right hand corner the little speech bubble you can tweet us your thoughts on the payoff and on this education news if you want to be even braver you can press that bottom left hand corner and request to speak um it's a good time for me to tell you that um, this show is brought to you in association with pearson edexcel their new student-centered french german and spanish 2024 gcse's to the needs of all learners regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills for inclusive and relatable content. The new Pearson MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash mfl this show is also brought to you in partnership with a happy confident company who provide clinically approved ready to go well-being and mental health programs to help your pupils thrive in over 10 minutes a day visit www.happyconfident.com 
to find out more. And a big shout out to Pearson MFL and to the Happy Confident Company because we couldn't be here um, hosting and doing our thing and talking about the latest education news and the wider educational landscape uh, without the support of Pearson MFL and the Happy Confident Company. So big thank you and a big shout out to them. Um, we do have some new listeners. We do have Simon Kidwell from the NAHT. Um, I don't want to sh- scare them away, but Simon, if you do want to call in and let us know your thoughts on the pay offer, please do. Um, we've got Martin Francis um, as well, who's been in here from the start. So very good evening to you. Um, we have got Paul Paul Foss, who's always and um, Paul Foss, who's always been in here um, and is a loyal um, listener to Teacher Talk Radio. So good evening to you as well. Yeah, we've got um, all sorts of. Um, listeners and very good evening to the first time listeners as well we've got alex richardson who i know will have thoughts on the pay offer and again um alex um you're more than welcome to call in and share those um we have got louise terry and who's um been waving at us so very good evening um we've got david gash we've got rosie b who's an english teacher we've got mjc who's a maths teacher julie bell who's a primary assistant head would love to know about this from the slt perspective um we we have got Ben Northedge. We have got um, Elbow Deep Lover, who has been um, tweeting along this evening. So, a very good evening to you and thank you for your support as well. We've got Mr. Hall PE and everybody else as well who has been listening um, and um, taking part in the Twitter space tonight. Back to you, Brent. Yeah, I'd be really, really interested to, to hear what people think, actually, because, um, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I fully form my opinion. I am going to say that because, you know, I'm I'm a child of civil rights activist. I'm a politically active green guy. I, you know, I, I don't believe in compromising um, when it comes to certain principles. So I would say this is what I'm saying. I mean, I'm well aware of my own, my own position. I'm more to the left. I'm more to the left within the union. And, and certainly I'm conscious that I have issues with this government and, and, Maybe, maybe my own sort of, not saying prejudice, but maybe my own politics is bleeding into this because obviously there are structural issues in society. And and one of the reasons I am in the union is because I do believe in, you know, education, but also the power of collective action and democracy and rights. And and I bring them all together. And I think, I mean, I was really, really happy and proud to see action being taken because teachers are a bit of a moany bunch we are a little bit of a moany bunch you have to be a teacher to know that we we do like a good moan but what was really good about the last couple of months was actually seeing people taking action and seeing people i'd never thought um actually would take action and 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 had some really you know brilliant moments when one of my support staff came to me and said i know i don't have to be on strike i'm going to go on strike and I was like, it's okay, you don't need to. No, I want to. And and they told me about the, they were uh, a minor's wife and how they'd been on strike for a year back in the 1980s. And that I, she just physically could not cross the picket line. So she marched down to my head teacher and, and basically says, I'm not crossing that picket line. What's the sanction? What would happen to me if I do not, if I go on strike today? Phone call was made. You just lose a day's pay. And, and that was somebody I've worked with for 20 years, didn't even know that about them. And I saw some something there that I never even was aware and they were adamant I am not crossing that picket line. I respect the picket line and fair play if you're going on strike and I'm going out and strike with you. And and I I'm I'll be honest, I, I nearly cried when that happened because I thought 
that's it. That's what we we want people to make a stand. We want people to stand up for their rights. We want people to fight for education, fight or flight. I'm a big fan of psychology. We have two choices now. We fight or we fly. If we if we fight, I think we have more, more of a chance of succeeding in what we set out to do. If we, we don't, then I don't know what happens next. I really don't. I think, you know, the government will then claim some sort of victory of its face down the unions. And, you know, um, Rishi Sunak's going to claim he's the next incarnated Margie Thatcher because he broke up the unions. I, I do worry of how this narrative is going to play, but public opinion is important. So I'll offer that out to everybody else, how they actually feel. Do they feel this is a victory? Do they feel this is a defeat? Do they feel this is a compromise? Um, so how do people feel? Is it a victory? I said earlier that um, they'll be sipping champagne at the DFE headquarters today um, in terms of forcing the unions to accept an offer below inflation, given what the NEU has been um, campaigning for, and that for DFE um, being able to give an offer well within their means um, and um, delay delaying this um, is a triumph and Julian Keegan will be celebrating this evening um, in, by forcing the unions to accept an offer much lower than they, what many of their members were campaigning for. Um, Paul Foster has tweeted us a couple of questions. We may as well discuss these. Um, the first one is, why haven't all of the teachers, head teachers and support staff all had strikes at once? Um, I never thought we would get an acceptable, fully funded offer of HT on board. Um, I think you asking there, Paul, um, feel free to clarify why not all of why not everybody has been on strike at once. And that's because the NEU was the only union to meet the threshold, I'm sure, um, unless you mean something different. And then the second question is a pay offer just for teachers. What about support staff and head teachers? Thanks. Um, the pay offer is for anybody on main scale, um, upper pay scale, or the leadership scale. So it's not for support staff, but it will include head teachers as well. Yeah, that that's correct with the um the, the strike ballot. Uh, again, the legislation designates that the union has to uh, achieve a fifty percent turnout, but of the fifty percent turnout, it must then get eighty percent of the fifty percent turnout. So effectively, you know, you need forty percent of the union to vote for strike action. I think that's how it works out. This is a problem uh, that Naswick then had with their second ballot, which Naswick were probably expecting a, a similar turnout to before when they didn't manage to get 50%. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was 41 or 42%. You might know. I think for, 46, I think it was. was 46%, yeah. But a lot of people are predicting it might be less than that because we know that some of their members had left to join the NEU. And so this disaggregated ballot where even if they didn't quite make it to 50%, there would be hundreds of schools which did make it beyond 50% and they would be able to go out and strike. They've sort of shot themselves in the foot because they managed to get 52, which not, I certainly wasn't predicting. And I know that many education um, people weren't expecting um, beyond 50%. And I think some people in Nasbert weren't expecting that either. And so they've shot themselves in the foot by getting the national figure they wanted um, for national strike action, but with disaggregated ballot, meaning that not all schools could then go out on strike, um, which I know that, um, senior people in Nasworth would have been very disappointed uh, that they sort of misread that one, but nobody's blaming them because they weren't expected to get beyond 50%. That's true, um, because, of course, you, you, you would, and I think we both would agree at that time that it's going to be harder for them because the members more likely to strike had already shifted over to the NEU. But it was also uh, worth noting a little bit of a shift the other way as well. I mean, I had a couple of my members on the NEU saying, look, I joined the ATL, 
um, all those years ago, and they're a non-striking union. And the ATL was then merged into the NUT to become the NEU. So there were two members in, in my school who felt, you know, I joined it on striking union. I didn't really want to join the NEU. It just carried over into the it, 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 from the ATL to the NEU. I'm going to go join the NASUWT. So there was a little bit of movement the other way, but but the movement was more especially towards the NEU from disgruntled uh, NASUWT members. So yes, them getting 52%, but that's my point, is that just at the point where we got the NAS with us, and I was sitting there last night with a big smile on my face going, Wow, brilliant. That's it. We've got the NAS and the NEU. I've got every union member in my school now with me. Not just, you know, my members, but all. And even to the point where my NES, UWT, you know, union rep was at the point where they were like, if we're not voting yes for this, I have to seriously consider me moving over. So there was a definite feeling that the NES, UWT members, many of them were... I think angry at they didn't get the threshold last time, and you know yourself, we're, we both deal in causality, don't we? And and I feel that there was a backlash, and that was gut backlash. Obviously, then came through the fact they got it over the line this time, unexpectedly correct. But doesn't that show you? That showed you that even with that, a kind of um, a lesser net number of NASUWT members who are less likely to go on strike, that they they voted for. I know for a fact that they already, even before the end of the NEU um, ballot, that they were already over the 50%. That was a given. Um, they were push within the NEU, ironically, was to get more than last time to show the strength of feeling to ironically help the negotiation. Because that's where we started with this. You know, we, we were told the first ballot, get everybody to vote as much as possible to show the strength of feeling. And that was true. We got over the line of... 50, I think 54% plus then is 90 odd percent of people voted. And I felt so disappointed the support staff didn't get the 50% last time. But my feeling was that the support staff ballot, which is which is just about to close in two weeks time for, I think, NEU, they would get that over the line. And again, you'd have support staff, NASUWT, NEU, and the head teachers unions all planning for the third week of September. I was even being told that we booking the date. I was close to booking a hotel. This is how close we are. I was close to booking a hotel in Manchester for the Conservative Party conference to be outside this Conservative Party conference with my placard saying pay up because that's where we were heading and that's where we've been told to prepare to be outside the Conservative Party conference to push home um, together with all the other unions. Um, so we're at the stage now where it's been negotiated at six and a half percent. It's not completely fully funded and slightly better than the first offer. And it's not backdated. And we're still asking questions about where the funding comes from. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Holly says, my wife is a teacher. Oh, yeah. Holly says, my wife is a teacher and she will vote to accept the offer. It is not perfect, but a compromise was always going to be the end point. With our mortgage up for renegotiation, we cannot afford to say no to this. Ricky has said, that's what the government are banking on. I respect this decision as every circumstance is different. This is going to make the situation worse as schools still need to find 3.5% out of existing budgets. Um, we've had a question from AJ, and I don't know the answer to this one, but I hope you can help. Um, is this pay offer in line with the initial pay offer, i.e. will be backdated from April 23? Um, this will cause significant problems for schools as the increased funding is replaced with 23-24. I don't know the answer to that one. Do you, um, 
No, I, I, my my initial my initial thought is quite simply this is for the September going forward that we've had our pay, we've had our pay deal last year, which was for the I think the the four point five percent wasn't it we had last year, or um, so that's my understanding. This is the pay going forward. So no, last year we we would be then eight percent down last year technically with with mm. the pay versus inflation. So we're already eight percent down. Um, and then next year, with inflation put forecast to be about nine ten percent, um, we would then be three to four percent down. So in the two years, my crude mathematics would put us at twelve percent down in two years. Mm. Um, ben, yeah. ben Northedge says, on the face to the public, it's a good deal. We scratch the surface; it's stretching our industry too far. The wider general public will never see the fact that we're funding this from an already threadbare budget. And similarly, another story which we could have spent time talking about this week, but it was um, gazumped. Um, the reading threshold for Key Stage 2 sats being dropped by five marks has made the national average look marginally lower than last year. Again, to the general public, they will accept the DFE's narrative that the reading paper wasn't difficult. I think it's one of those things that I found quite difficult um, when I've spoken to media outlets in the last couple of weeks about the strikes and about the pay dispute. Um, Understanding, actually, the nature of school budgets and the nature of teacher pay um, and how if it's not being funded by new money from DFE or the Treasury, it's coming from money which is going towards the students. And actually, because teachers do care about their students, they don't want to get a pay rise, which is going to come from funding, which could be going towards getting their students better education. It's very, very complicated. It's very difficult. We do, Brent, have some great news, though. First of all, Boris Johnson has remembered his um, pin um, for his phone, so he's been <laughs> his inquiry. Um, and secondly, we've got three speakers. Fantastic. We've got Shaniqua, we have got Paul, and we have got Mr. Hall. Um, where do you want to start, Brent? Oh, well, we'll we'll go in alphabetical order. Um, SPP... M, Mr. Hall, Mr. Hall. We'll start with Mr. Hall PE then. Um, it's been a long week, Shaniqua. Um, right, Mr. Hall, um, good evening. How are you and what would you like to add? Well, once he's found his meat button like Brent earlier. Oh, you... Bottom left. <laughs> oh, we'll come back to Mr. Hall. We'll go to Shaniqua. Shaniqua. Good evening, and tell us um, how you are and what your thoughts are on today's news. Good evening, everyone. Hi, I hope you're all well. Um, so, I am not happy, not happy at all. And um, I've been part of uh, some of the NEU's kind of uh, strike groups recently, or groups talking about, like, if we were offered this 6.5, what would we do? And, you know, getting ready, for, we've been talking, doing a lot of talking about strikes next year and getting ready, and a lot of people have been mm. ready to go, you know, as um, Brent was talking about, to the Tory conference in Manchester, uh, ready to strike, you know. And actually, it's quite shocking. <laughs> the news this week, I'm actually, um, ve- or today, I'm really shocked about. Uh, but I'm, and I'm really shocked at seeing how many people saying they would accept. Um, I'm very much reject, reject, and I'll be promoting vote to reject because, um, you know, we're, get, we're, we're gonna get less than Scotland. That's 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 not acceptable. It's not acceptable. And I've been striking. I've striked for eight days, and this is not what I've been striking for. And I'm poor. A lot of people are talking say they don't have money. I also don't have money, but I don't want to be striking again in the future. Um, 
in a couple years over the same thing. So I am willing and ready. I will strike for as long as I need to. I'll be voting to reject. So that's just my piece I wanted to share. Shanique, it sounds as if you think um, the parties involved in this are just kicking the can down the road. Uh, a short term solution. You were saying it's a short term solution yeah. to a longer term problem. Um, what well, do you feel? Do you feel let down? Um, I do. I, I think a lot of people today uh, feel a bit let down. A bit. Let, and actually, there's some of us who are like, I guess, really into the union and we're reading up and doing a lot of that. But for some people who won't read up as much, which is fine, they might think this is a good offer. But in the long run, it's not really a good offer. And actually. If not now, later on, something's going to give. Um, already we're losing, I'm losing amazing teaching assistants. Amazing. Mate, I'm out here always entering twinkle competitions. Like, oh, give me a glue stick. So, um, you know, <laughs> I want to see changes <laughs> happen in the long run. You know, in the future, I might have a little child. I want my child to have a good little education. Uh, right now, it might be me just teaching my child if the way if this is how things are going. Or I might be knocking on Gillian Keegan's door. Don't get me started about her. But, um, yeah, it's it's not been great. It's not been great. Gillian Keegan, who doesn't even talk to us, who's today spoken about, oh, look what's happening now. Well, clearly, well she's been clearly been talking, hasn't she, all four unions, because they put out a joint statement oh. and they couldn't put out a joint statement. They weren't talking to each other. It's not, it's not proper talking because it's not acceptable. This offer is not... Ex- and there's a lot of people who are not agreeing. I think you guys have seen that NEU have... Um, this emergency meeting on um, Monday, but then there's also another emergency meeting about educators who are saying no to it. And, you know, at the moment, I'm part of like this educator say no WhatsApp group. There's like maybe 600 teachers in there talking about this is unacceptable. So a lot of people are not having this. We're not having it. Vote to reject everyone. That's what I wanted to say. Um, we, did, we, did, we did ask um, we did ask Daniel Kebedy, um and we did ask Kevin and Mary whether they were willing to come on tonight. Um, Daniel was occupied, and I don't think we heard back from Kevin and Mary, um, which is a shame, yeah. but we did put the invite out there. Thank you, Shanika. No we may come back Thank to you. in a minute. Um, can we go to Paul next? He was clapping, clapping along to Shanika there. Paul, um, right. good evening. And what are your thoughts on the news today? Um well, first of all, the reason I listen so often and join in is is basically to learn what's going on because um, there's some things, even though I'm outraged, I don't always understand. <laughs> Certainly the ins and outs. Um, so I actually found out about this in the staff room at lunchtime today and the teacher who told us had a massive smile on her face. I think she just was happy that she wasn't going to have to strike anymore, but I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same ilk as uh, a sneaker because first of all I don't know and you might you probably would know this is what is the percentage that would make it the up to the current rate of inflation. Well, inflation is um, is ever changing. It is. Yeah. It's been it's been in double figures um, in the last academic in the last year um, from April um, and it's is slowing down and as as those of us know um, who follow politics Rishi Sunak has promised that he will clench he will halve inflation so it's very interesting talking particularly to students about what this actually means it does still mean that prices are going to go up it's just by half as much as they were before because yeah, um, uh, um, so, so, yeah, the argument is the argument that a few people 6.5 below inflation yeah because obviously quite a few people have sort of 
um, read comments and things like that, and people are sort of saying, well, actually, this offer is still under the rate of inflation, and I'm sort of thinking, well, how much would we want it to be? One of the, one of the biggest things for me, 6.5 or not, is schools having the funding to, to have it, like you said, like Brent was saying before. And our our head teacher is very outgoing and very honest and open with, with all the staff. As soon as strikes are mentioned or, you know, extra funding and things like that, she does go very quiet and leaves the room. <clears throat> and really, I just think that the schools, particularly like ours that are very small, who've already lost a lot of staff over the last two years, would would really struggle if it wasn't fully funded. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I mean, that's for me is always the red line. I I don't want to be scrimping and saving for fully funded. I want more money to go into schools. And I remember Tom a couple of months ago was he posed the question, and it's still still a live question. If we were to forego a pay rise and the money was going directly into schools, and they started sorting out some of the issues within schools, you know. Would I take a pay cut to have a better working environment, to have the children fully fed, to have better resources? Honestly speaking, I probably would. I would, because I have been. Because that's exactly what I've been doing for the last 13 years. I've been taking a pay cut to stay in a job because I care about the people in the community and my colleagues and the children. But that's not fair when you see bankers making bonuses again. That's not fair when you see the private sector. The Morel Neal got 10%. And I'm not belittling other jobs. I'm not having to go to other jobs. The private sector is making a bomb. Private sector wages are growing faster than they've ever grown. We're being outstripped. And that is just simply not fair. And and the thing is, you can console yourself if you are working in an industry that was being well-funded. If the money was going somewhere, you could see the money going. But in the context of the last couple of years, when you've seen the utter sheer waste and the nepotism and the corruption that's what stings me is this narrative of they've not got the money. They have the money. I know how economics works. It doesn't take that much to give us a pay rise since we, they claw a huge percentage of that back in tax. This is ideological. This is a point being made. This is game theory. They've chosen sections of the public sector to make an example of and literally because they're not our type of people. This is simple as that. Is it, that's it, that's it, in a nutshell. Yeah, because, I mean, th- that always grates on me, is that whenever we have the, you know, the usual uh, narrative of, oh, why are you striking? Don't you care about the children? Well, you're the ones who are actually giving the money to the schools who are looking after children. Do you not care about the children? Do you not care about the teachers who are looking after the children? And that's that's an ongoing, with lots of other jobs and professions is they are still meant to care about people who are using public services so why aren't those those services being funded and the people working for those services being paid to actually have a living you know it it is it's taking advantage of our altruism it's taking advantage of our nature and and our strength is not our individuals because individually you know, we, we work in a magnificent job that makes a difference to individual children. But our collective strength is in the sheer size of people of our profession. We're one of the largest professions 
in the country, which should mean we're one of the most powerful professions. So I've thought that this, the, the teaching profession is a sleeping giant. We have such actual power to make such a difference in this country. And I think we have not taken that opportunity. I think we've, um, I think our members are, and now that our members are motivated, I just think it's such a wasted opportunity to actually achieve some of the things that we've wanted to achieve the last generation. And that is to put education as one of the top priorities of this country, to put our children as one of the top priorities in this country, to put, you know, to put what we're trying to achieve with our children, social mobility, to, you know, to try, because how many of us work in education because we ourselves were disadvantaged people. I was a disadvantaged child. I got through education, I got through university because of education it's it's a game changer and that's why we're still in that's i I refuse to be squeezed out of education because i'm gonna say it and i don't care what opinion offends anybody and you may not go blank me out tom but i I believe honestly speaking that there is a there is now a desire to uneducate or de-skill sections of our society because i do believe they are purposely now doing this i you could not do this to an education system unless it's deliberate. And I, I have to say there's a parallel across the public sector. And what I think is the real game, privatization, destruction of professionalism, destruction of workers' rights. You know, I think if we're not careful within a generation, we'll be replaced by AI. We'll, you know, we won't be our profession. And I think this is the thing that maybe Mick Lynch is correct about his read about one of the reasons why he is fighting tooth and nail not just for a pay rise for his his you know his profession. He's fighting for the future of his profession. But then again, I am meant to be the Arthur Scargle of Teachers Talk Radio. Maybe it is. Maybe I am because oh, that's yeah. the thing. No, what I'm saying is Scargle was fighting for the future of the mining industry. You know, he was fighting for the and he said the mining industry was just going to be destroyed. He was right. He was absolutely right. Maybe that's it. Within a generation, there won't be. This is maybe this is the last hoo ha of the teaching profession. The last opportunity. This we've is our had, Custer's last stand. You know, we've had some more comments in. Um, Martin Francis says the government has said additional money will come from higher charges on migrant access to the NHS. Is this an attempt to discredit the NEU? You can imagine the headlines. How do we deal with that divide and rule tactic? We discussed that one earlier. Uh, David makes music. Says I'm so cross and upset. I can't believe they recommended this mendacious offer. We just let five LSAs go for September. I've got no idea how we'll support our complex needs kids, let alone everyone else. Adam, it's ever-shrinking budgets keep the retention crisis. Um, Jay Haslam says, I'm not sure the public perception of rejecting the offer will be positive. What do you all think? That's a good question. Um, Paul, mm. yeah, so I'm going to drop out on this. Side. I was just going to say the um, the um, meme or whatever that comes up quite often is that um, you know, people become you know, a, a lawyer or they become this or that and the other, and actually, teachers create all of those people getting in those positions. And the thing is that we don't just create people for professions, we create people's foundations, if you like, going forward, mm-hmm. being young people, going into 20-year-olds and then so on and everything else. And that's why I'm with Sneaker in the fact that we should we should hold out. We should make people realise mm-hmm. how important our profession is and the worth of it because all the arguments that come back of young people and 
um, sort of people going into the twenties of struggling with mental health or not being able to do this or not being able to do that. We as a profession are able to give them the foundations to do that. Yeah. Do you know? So it's worth, I'm, I'd sort of leave you on this really, is that I think it's worth rejecting it. And I think it's worth making a stand. Um, I think the way that the timing of this just before the summer break um, isn't, you know, a coincidence by accident, surely. And I think if we can get enough people to realise how we're being manipulated to maybe accept this offer, hopefully we can uh, hold on for what is right. That's it. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Paul. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it, 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 you can take the groundswell of, of uh, even the cross section of opinion tonight. It, it's going to, it's going to be a debate. But, the, but Paul's read is correct. I mean, the debate will stop for the six weeks as we all recharge our batteries. So it is like almost for some schools the last week of term, and and we're also in a situation where, of course, the NEU is still balloting. So what happens to that? What happens to that ballot? You know, um, that you know, that ballot will be published, and that will give you a groundswell, but it'll have to be put to the members. So it'll it'll be interesting the comment over the next couple of weeks, the conversations that will be had. But it's going to be hard to get those conversations when people are in in, in their holidays. It's, it's so it's the turnaround is going to have to be very quick on this uh, in order to get the opinion, in order to get some some the sorted one way or the other. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, and also we've got the backdrop of, of course the outgoing NEU administration with the new going uh, NEU administration. And again, you know, it's worth noting that Daniel's name is on that, um, on that uh, press release with the other unions plus Rishi Sunak and, and also uh, Kevin and Mary. So, I mean, I'd like that Daniel at some stage to comment whether he feels because he's inheriting this as the new NEU president and as a more leftward leaning NEU president, um, it's interesting to, to what the, how Daniel will be able to justify it. I'd be I'd be willing to listen to what Daniel, Kevin, and Mary have to say on Monday night. Um, but they're going to have to work really, really hard to keep the union together and to sell this. And maybe they know more than we don't know at the moment. Maybe there may be more details, um, but it doesn't from the outside already so far. It doesn't look as if it's fully funded so I don't care how you spin that that's that's a red line and I don't know how they're going to justify that mm -hmm. yeah um, interesting Peter Williams has said we need to do a better job of communicating what the problem is any pay rise which isn't fully funded is going to have a direct negative impact on students. The impact on the students should always be the main message. This is my point. Um, that yeah, if you, if the money's not coming from the government, then it's coming from the students, and it's coming towards the educate. It's coming from the education for those students, and it's going into teachers' pockets. And yeah, teachers, of course, we want to pay rise. Uh, we want uh, to be paid what we believe our profession is worth, which is um, certain. You know, if you're comparing to 2010 in real terms, we think we should be paid more. Um, but that money should not be coming directly from the resources and the support and the education of the young people who we teach. Um, it, 
feels it feels wrong. It is wrong um, from a teacher's perspective. And yeah, I think Peter is right. I think teachers and it would be nice if the unions had taken the leadership, but clearly they're not at this stage. Um, but it'd be good. It's good for teachers to um, take the lead and explain why a pay offer which is not fully funded from government funds. Um, is detrimental to students, detrimental to schools, and detrimental to education. And the, and even in that, I suppose, in rejecting that, there is merit then in saying that starts the conversation. Because going back to Joe's point about the public perception of rejecting the offer, I would be happy to face down my parents and say, here's your choices. We accept that offer. You're going to have redundancies. You're going to have budget cuts, and your children are going to suffer. So we'll, we'll accept that offer. Is that okay? Is that what you want? And that's up to us to make that argument and say, look, this is the situation. But I think that opens up to greater public consciousness of what do you mean budget's good? Because that was the thing about when, when they said, oh, the schools have got the budget money. Of course, they've got the budget money for these pay rises. We've given them X amount of money. That didn't go down very well because there was such an outcry within the teaching profession. Are you having a laugh? Schools don't have this budget money. And now the, the government got a little bit embarrassed about that. So there is merit in, in, in having that, again, having that conversation about this has to be fully funded. And I think that's one, one of the surprising things about this. That had to be the red line. That's the red line for me is it has to be fully funded. And if anything, that's, what, that's a minimum requirement that I would have. Not, not even that's a minimum because it's got to be that we need you know, funding restitution as well, not just pay restitution for teachers, but schools need to reverse. There's many schools are 20 25 percent down in their budgets for the last seven or eight years. The cost of living crisis is causing huge problems when it comes to energy, when it comes to food, when it comes to when it comes to consumables, when it comes to exercise books and laptops and all sorts of stuff. Schools are struggling to, to resource. Schools are struggling to recruit. Supply budgets are off the scale because, you know, private companies are, are picking over the carcass of some schools because they know we're, we're desperate for supply staff. So agencies are making an absolute fortune at the moment, absolute fortune because they're, they're plugging the gap. So we, and that's the scandal again that the union broke about how much money has been wasted on, 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 on fees. So we have all that. And I think that's good that we as a profession are going to have to, if we reject this, that we're going to have to manage public perception because joe is right the first reaction will be if we as a profession reject this pay offer will be that we will be attacked you will get the usual teacher bingo card of lazy teachers you know lovey doveys lefties you know lefty lawyer teachers that will get the same thing for that we'll get all of those stereotypes coming out you know um and we'll have to take that but we'll have to respond with actually we're not taking the money from the children the shame will this time be is that that was the argument was made by the union leadership. It won't be the union leadership that they make an argument if we reject it. It will be the teaching profession itself. Well, that would be an interesting narrative of the teaching profession have rejected this pay offer, not the union leadership. And that's going to be a very interesting, how do you then throw the whole profession under the bus with this? Or will they go for the percentage of people who voted against the deal and then pull us into the stereotype of these teachers and we need to get rid of these people out of our profession. You know, you see where I'm going with that. There, mm. there will be that public sort of uh, consciousness and there will be teaching bashing from your right-wing media, which is going to happen anyway if you reject this offer. And that will we will fall into a trap potentially that may be there. And that that's what worries me as well, is that they, there could be a trap for us. We're, we're kind of caught in a bit of a checkmate situation. If we reject the offer, 
then we're seen as these militant left-wing teachers you know, trying to destroy kids' education. If we accept the offer, then that's it. We've missed our opportunity to, to make real, real lasting change. So we're in a really difficult buying at the moment. And I don't think a lot of people at this time of the year have the brain space to process it, let's be honest. <laughs> and at, at, uh, here we are, nearly at nine o'clock at night, nearly about to finish the show, and I put that humdinger in. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, I mean, my word, it's been a busy um, hour and a half, hasn't it? Um, I'll be back to Steve. <coughs> Bless me. Um, I'm discussing the um, pay offer and clearly the conversations are going to continue um brent i assume you'll be at the neu's online meeting on monday yeah yeah i will um, i'm sure you'll be able to feedback for us there i'm sure shanique will be there as well she's already said she's going to the after party after that one as well um so yeah um, this is going to drag on um It'll be interesting to see what the other unions say, and it'll be interesting to see how NEU members actually vote. Um, big shout out um, to Pearson MFL and the Happy Confident Company who um, are bringing you this show um, as partners of Teachers Talk Radio. It's been absolutely fantastic to have them supporting our shows. And yeah, um, thank you, Brent, for your um, hosting and for your words of wisdom from the union perspective that you're able to bring to us which is um very important um thank you to everybody who's listened including from the start but also the people who've dropped in and out including towards the end um thank you to you um it's been great to have you here listening um the weekly review um is on sunday um as ever at 10 a.m we've got some shows between now and then but we'll be discussing the payoff in more detail of the other stories as well um, which have been in the education news over last week that is going to be hosted by nathan ginn i'm sure you can see him in the space listening along um and we'll feature a range of special guests brent are you going to be there this sunday do you know oh i have to uh, check my calendar which is called uh, wife um but i'm sure i will be i'm sure <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I will be. Yeah, Shanique, can we count on you this Sunday? Oh, hi. Um, yeah, if I don't have a hangover, I'll be there. Oh, well, I'm sure you've got plenty more to say about me. <laughs> so um, we shall see, and we shall see, hopefully we'll see loads of you um, here Sunday at um, 10 a.m. Um, for a weekly review. One last well, thing before you... we go. One last thing. Go on, Regardless Brent. of how everybody votes we always have to respect the differences of opinion. That's that's the thing that's been the last couple of couple of months has been brilliant is is that um people have gone on strike, other people haven't gone on strike. I'm really proud of the profession. Um and as much as I'm disappointed with today, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Kevin and Mary as well. And it's a difficult job. I just hope they have more up their sleeve to sell us. Um but either way, you know, I think the best thing we can all all do is is support each other in the way that we got through the last couple of years. And I think it would sadden me and, and it would sadden me if, if this is going to cause a bit of a wedge and we get divided. So um, I respect the vote either way. I'm sure everybody will, um, but we can have the discussion. Like, like, like I suppose like adults, I just, I just worry. I got a sense today. There's a little bit of people are a bit raw and a bit angry. And, and, and I can see in the forums, there's going to be a little bit of back and forth. And as long as people keep it, the fact that we all care, we're all in the profession because we care, that would be my sort of, my last sort of thought on this is just to make sure that, you know, we're all in it because we care. And, and, and we, you know, it's a, it's a really difficult job that we do. And if people are saying, let's take the offer. 
they may be in a situation where they've got no other choice. And it's the same as striking. I've, I've always had a policy of that, of not judging people if they say they can't afford to go on strike. I get that. Uh, and, and again, it's been it's been quite amazing. You said it's about hope. The last couple of the last couple of months, I've been so hopeful. I've seen the glimmers of, of something beautiful growing within the profession, a, a solidarity. And I'm not just talking about the the union action. I'm talking about the way that the, 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 the we came together after that horrible, horrible Ofsted situation. Um, and I think we we are stronger if we're united. And that that'll be my last sort of my last take on that. Regardless of our opinions on this deal, let's let's be together in a sense and stronger together is always a good thing. That's me. So I thought I'd, I'd like to say we, that. We have, we, we have more in common than that which divides us. And as yeah. teachers, we are one, we are members of one body, um, as an inspector once said. Um, so thank you very much um, for joining us. And we shall see you next week for next year's, next week's education tonight. Um, and we'll see you on Sunday for a weekly review as well. And make sure you catch up with all of our shows in the meantime. Before we do actually hang up, I may as well actually tell you what we do have lined up um, for Friday and Saturday. Give me one moment, please. Poppy Gibson is on at 11 a.m. tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to that. The one. Good doctor. Sunday, Omar is back at 11am back on Twitter Spaces and Maud um, is on at 5pm as well, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so yeah, catch us for our shows in the next few days and we shall see you very soon. Take care and a very good evening to you. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.